0: Coming up. The mission of the university is the creation, preservation, and proliferation of knowledge for the benefit of all. The idea of the university. A fool's brain digests philosophy into folly, science into superstition, and art into pedantry. Hence, university education. It is the one and only way that we can transfer the knowledge of civilization to the next generation. And if we don't do that, civilization will be diminished. Aren't the essentials of a great university just football for the alums, parking for the faculty, and romance for the students? I will hold to the mission of the university that I described. Our guest, John Etchemendy, provost of Stanford University. As you can tell, I think universities are great institutions. If you want a provost who uh, can argue with the dean of the law school, who are you going to pick? Well, a philosopher.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The idea of the university, coming up on Philosophy Talk after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today, we're recording the program in front of a live audience here at the Annenberg Auditorium on the Stanford campus.
0: Our thinking originates just a stone's throw away at Philosopher's Corner.
1: Today's program is part of the Classes Without Quizzes series during Stanford's reunion homecoming week. Welcome everyone to Philosophy Talk.
0: Our topic today is the idea of a university.
1: Well, John, as philosophers, we both know a lot about ideas, that's our stock and trade, and we've both spent our entire working lives in the university, so it follows. Ergo, we know everything there is to know about the idea of a university, right?
0: Plausible inference, big fella, but in my case, it's wrong. I mean, I'm really happy that universities exist. I'm even happier that they support philosophy departments and seem to think that I do something useful. But the longer I have spent in in universities and and the more I become familiar with the vast differences among schools and departments and the different expectations of all the people involved in the universities, how differently things are done in universities uh, elsewhere, particularly in different lands, Frankly, I, I'm pretty confused. I don't have much of a feel. What, what, what is the essence of a university? What are they supposed to be? I have heard a good explanation of what the provost and the president mainly do, however. And I'll say, what would that
1: be? That's a, that's a good one. What would that be?
0: Well, rumor has it the most pressing issues are football for the alumni, parking for the faculty, and uh, well, how should I put this? Providing an active social life for the undergraduates. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'd give Stanford,
1: I don't know, an A minus maybe these days for football. <laughs> B minus for parking and, uh, well, that third one, I'm not too up on that, but let's, let's get back to your confusions and puzzlement. What, what puzzles you really about the university?
0: Well, let's start with research and teaching. We charge our undergraduates a lot of money. We draw the best students from around the world to be our undergraduates, or at least they're as good as any others at Harvard or any place else. But all these schools, Stanford, Harvard, the University of Oregon, the University of California, all the elite universities, we all know at those places that it's research that's the main criterion for hiring and promotion. So what is a university? A teaching institution or a big research lab with some students around the edges to bring in tuition? Uh,
1: well, John, I think, you're, <laughs> I think you've, uh, that's a false dichotomy. I think it's a both-and. I mean, we can walk and chew gum. We can research and teach. So wh- why not? It seems to work. Ah, you sound like a pragmatist, but but
0: isn't, isn't there something about the idea of university that you're a little puzzled about? Well, there's
1: actually a lot about the idea of university I'm, I'm puzzled about. You know, before I was chair, I, I used to think of the university as a place where people like you and me can do their thing. You know, you gather a lot of smart people around, let them think and write and teach, and that's basically what we do. And We think and write and teach what we want to do. That's what a university's for. But you know, then I became chair. I spent six years doing that, and... Uh, you get a broader perspective. you see, there are all these competing forces on this institution and any institution like it. all these well departments compete for resources, programs want to grow here and grow there. And it's not just internal competition. there's all these pressures from outside the university, for the university to serve the country or whatever. So there's all this massive stuff, and it's just a sprawling, complicated enterprise, you know. It's very far from Plato's Academy where just smart people thought and wrote and taught.
0: It is amazing. I was chairman too, and you and you go around the university, and you find that you want to do something perfectly reasonable, like hire another Descartes scholar, and there's all these people, <laughs> all these people that think that curing cancer or training another generation of lawyers or or or, or you know something like that. Is more important. It's really baffling, but you've done very well at getting us resources. What's your problem? Well, just what you
1: just said. In my reflective moments, I think, what is this place for? Who does it serve? Who owns this place? I mean, you you know, you think, well, it's a corporation and it's owned by the trustees. Ultimately, we're answerable to the trustees, right? But we're a private university, a, a not for profit university, so we're supposed to serve some higher good, right? Is it The world at large, humanity at large. Is it just the interest of our nation? Or is it, as a lot of faculty like to think, something more abstract, something more ethereal? Truth, at whatever cost. Knowledge, at whatever cost. You know, who, and then there's the question, who decides whether we've done it right? Is it us, the faculty? Is it the alumni? Is it the students? Is it the administration? I mean, so there are lots of
2: questions.
0: So, traditionally, universities, whatever else they are, are a place. Universities are a place where books and faculty and labs and students and deans can all come together and reap the benefits of being together. But now there are internet universities. Are they the wave of the future? Will Stanford just be a dinosaur in the great new world of distributed universities? whose libraries and classrooms are just URLs on the Internet?
1: You know, I I think that's a really fascinating question, Johnny. You know, we really do have a lot to talk about. Luckily, we've got just the fellow to help us, that's Stanford's provost, John Etchemendy, the philosophy department's very own uh, former chair and colleague. He'll join us in a moment.
0: But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Zoe Corneli, takes a deeper look at the idea of an Internet-based university. She files this report.
3: If you've spent any time on the Internet, you've probably seen advertisements for the University of Phoenix. The school was founded more than 30 years ago. Its website says it's the largest private accredited university in the country, with more than 300,000 students, many of whom take courses online.
2: It's a real sense of accomplishment when you see that you can make a big difference in someone's lives and help them break through a glass ceiling that was there. That's very exciting to me.
3: Douglas Threet is Area Chair for Management and Finance at the school's offices in San Jose, California.
2: Basically, we are a university that serves folks that have, in many cases, dropped out of high school. Now they're out there working, they've got a family, they've got a mortgage, and they know that there's a glass ceiling because they don't have their collegiate degree.
3: Threat says for many young people, a traditional college education is not an option.
2: Some of our districts have 25% of the students that don't complete their high school diplomas. Some districts have as high as 40. That's a great segment of our population that needs training. They want to be better citizens. And all of those things, I think, a university can meet those needs.
3: The University of Phoenix steps in to serve that population.
2: Twenty-five percent of our graduates, for example, are African American, well above the other institutions in the United States. The same is with the Hispanic population as well. I had a student in one of the courses, a young, single, African-American mother, candidly, she couldn't write her way out of a paper bag. And she came to me, she said, what am I gonna do? I need to learn how to write. I said, yes, you do. Let's get you into the writing lab. Let's work on this. You can improve. You've got the first requirement. You've got a GA. You've got a great attitude. And so uh, we started working with her and by the time she graduated uh, she could write that page, page and a half memo to a senior manager in this situation and do a very good job. It was it was a great experience just to work with her and, and see her growth and her development.
3: Threet says Phoenix and other online programs expand the idea of a university beyond the traditional research versus teaching debate.
2: I think the truth probably is that the definition of a university is a little broader than we may at first conceive that there's room for everybody. There's a research purpose, there's a learning purpose, there's a teaching purpose, there's a practitioner model. That's the model we use at the University of Phoenix.
3: That means the focus is on acquiring practical knowledge with career applications. No need for a campus.
2: It's a distributed education model. So it means it's a model that is available, has great access to those who are unable, for one reason or another, to attend what we would call an on-ground campus situation. And in this age of internet, uh, folks want that kind of program and as a result, it's meeting a real need.
3: Threat says he likes to think of universities as lighthouses.
2: Each one of them helps its particular flotilla of ships find uh, a safe harbor, find the uh, safety that they need to progress and go forward. But I, I think at the end of the day, the university is to build lives, strengthen people so that they can be better citizens in our country and, at the same time, better themselves professionally with their families as well.
3: And that, he says, is something that can happen on the Internet just as well as on the ground. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli.
1: You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.